0: Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Salini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. I wouldn't keep him. You know, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson, all right? I've seen enough. Has quick feet, can throw a little bit, but I don't believe what's going on up there. You know what? No, I didn't take anything positive out of it yesterday. It was awful. Why? Why? Yeah. Are you watching? Was yes. <laughs> I mean, please, when did you ever see, a, a, well, well it's Zach, we'll stay on Zach. You sit down, you sit down on the play, you go right down. What happens? I thought you're trying to win and make plays. You quit on a play. Hmm. You, what is going on? It, it, it's disgusting. The Jets broke Joe Namath. They broke him. The franchise's most iconic player who's generally upbeat about the team went scorched earth this week on the Michael K show on ESPN New York radio, torching everyone in the organization, but mainly Zach Wilson. Now I've known Joe for twenty five years. I've never heard him that upset about the Jets, but I think he speaks for the vast majority of Jets fans. This is what it's come to. We're only three games into the season, and I think fans would throw a party if Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon were starting right now. Thanks for stopping by Flight Deck this week. As always, I appreciate the listen. We'll have questions coming up and a game preview for the Chiefs. But for now, there's a lot to unpack with this whole quarterback mess, so let's not waste any time. We're going to jump right into it. And this is what we know. Zach Wilson, terrible in his last two starts, will start Sunday night against the Chiefs. Robert Sala said so. Emphatically, he called Wilson the, quote, unquestioned quarterback, end quote. This is the same coach who made a transparent attempt at gamesmanship last week with the offensive line changes, so you never know. But we'll take it on face value. Wilson will start against a very good Kansas City defense. Here's my takeaway. I think this is a slippery slope for Sala. Yes, he is overselling Wilson to the public. He wants to keep the kids' confidence up. So he wants to let everyone know that he's behind him, he's got his back, yada, yada, yada. He wants the locker room to know that, and I get it. Of course he has doubts about Wilson. He's watching what we're watching. He's watched it for two and a half years. He definitely has doubts. He knows what Wilson is. and But the thing is, he's coming off as a Zach apologist, and that doesn't play well in the locker room. The defense, in particular, is not happy. The defense allows only 13 points in the game on Sunday, and they're hearing about the busted coverage on the TV, on the TD, some third down conversions that got away from them. 13 points! You're supposed to win games when you give up only 13 points, and this defense knows that if any other player were performing his job the way Wilson is performing his, that player would be benched. Trust me, there's tension in that locker room. On Tuesday morning, an off day for players, I was told that this was a hot topic among players in the locker room. I get the sense from what I've seen on the sideline and from what I'm hearing that this team could be ready to implode. Offense, too. I mean, you saw Garrett Wilson and Michael Carter you know, showing the frustration on the sideline. That obviously didn't sit well with Aaron Rodgers, who's watching from 3,000 miles away in Malibu, goes on McAfee and said he didn't like what he saw from on the sideline. I'm not sure that opinion from long distance really helps matters, but that's who Rodgers is. Now, they signed Trevor, Trevor Simeon on Tuesday. He's going to be on the practice squad until eventually he gets pushed up to the active roster. The good thing is he played a lot in the preseason. The guy threw 65 passes for the Bengals. He was competing with Jake Browning for the backup job. He lost it to Browning. Got cut on August 29th. Had a cup of coffee with the Jets in 2019. How could we forget that? He got the mono start. When, when uh, Sam Darnold went out with mononucleosis, Adam Gase made Trevor Simeon the starter. It was a Monday night football, and what happens... In less than a quarter, Miles Garrett tries to turn his leg into a pretzel, and he gets a severe ankle injury, and he's out for the season. Uh, And so they get Trevor Simeon. Uh, So there's some connection here. Uh, Last year, he played in Chicago under Luke Getze. Getze was under Nathaniel Hackett with Green Bay. There's always connections in the NFL in this business. So, yeah, so schematically, there'll be some carryover, so maybe it won't be a huge learning curve. For Simeon. He's got background in the West Coast offense. Interestingly enough, the Jets play at Denver next week. That's where Simeon started his career. He was actually their starter, the starter for two years in 16 and 17. Be funny if he starts against the Broncos next week. Uh, Signing Simeon to me, it's like bringing a garden hose to a house fire. Desperate times. But what did you expect? You can't call 1 800 get a QB1 at this point in the year. It's not happening. You know, you got to make do from the scrap heap. Everyone's talking about Kirk Cousins because the Vikings are 0-3. That's not happening now. Douglas had to do something here. He had to save face. Why they delayed this long to bring in another quarterback, I have no idea. There are 52 other players in the locker room who want to win now, and the GM owed them that opportunity. He had to go out and show that he's doing something to try to rectify this quarterback situation. Now, is it going to rectify it? No. Simeon's not a good player. There's a reason why he was out of the league for the last few weeks. But at least you give the appearance that you're trying to do something. Uh, Barring a trade for Kirk Cousins, which is remote, there's no magic elixir here. The Jets made their bed. They made this decision in the offseason. They said no to Matt Ryan recently and Carson Wentz, according to a Fox report. They were rejected by Chad Henney. Now, yes, Cousins and even Ryan Tannehill would be upgrades, but why would Minnesota and Tennessee make a trade this early? By the time they'd even consider it, probably in late October, the Jets will be too far gone in the playoff race. It's a catch-22, and the Jets really have no one to blame but themselves. They made this decision in the offseason. Douglas miscalculated on Wilson, making him the QB2. Now, look. They had tremendously bad luck with Rodgers. You never expect something like that to happen. Guy goes down on the fourth play of the season. uh, But you knew the odds of him getting through 17 games were slim given his age. Douglas refused to give up on Wilson. The way the Niners knew it was time to unload Trey Lance. And now another season is compromised. Since 2021, the Jets have spent a first-round pick, number two overall, and two second-round picks on quarterbacks, the Rodgers trade, and they have nothing to show for it. Yes, bad luck with Rodgers, but that's a lot of wasted resources. And as for Wilson, he's done in New York. The whole idea of him learning from Rodgers for a couple of years and then taking over, which I thought was a pie-in-the-sky scenario anyway, that's over. You cannot bring him back next year short of a miracle turnaround. Since 20 just Get a load of this statistic, just blows my mind. Since 2010, out of 80 quarterbacks, 8-0 quarterbacks with 700 pass attempts, Wilson is 79th in QBR. The only one worse is Blaine Gabbard. So now you probably have to draft a quarterback of the future, somebody who could step in in 25 or 26. Do you want Douglas making that decision? Namath sure doesn't. He wants Wendy Johnson to tear it all down on the Michael K show in case you missed it. Namath basically napalmed the entire building. Uh, It was out of character for Joe. He's had enough. I think a lot of Jet fans are had enough as well. Okay, I'm reaching deep into the mailbag. Tons of responses this week. Thanks for the support. At Dan underscore Lorenz has a question. It is the last one-third of the 22 seasons. Other teams stopped the running game and everything fell apart. We thought this was due to the offensive line and Brees Hall's injury. Now it just seems like defenses can uh, can stop the run and beat the Jets. What's happening? Are teams daring the Jets to throw? Obviously, the uh, Dan, the Jet running game has been pitiful, and they're not going to win any football games until it gets better. There's a lot of blame to go around here, and I'd just like to give you a little snapshot of what happened on Sunday. I I went back and watched the All-22. The Jets had six running plays where they got zero or negative yards, and here's what happened on each one quickly. Uh, Brees Hall, minus six. There's an unblocked free runner. That's just a poorly designed play. Uh, Another play, Dalvin Cook, minus one. I put that one on Cook. It was a misread. He had an open gap, and he didn't go that way. Another play, Hall, for minus for zero yards. Jets had an eight-man front. The receivers were in man coverage on the outside. Wilson should have checked to a pass, but he ran right into the eight-man front. Another play, Hall, minus two. They were in 22 personnel and had a nine-man front. In that particular play, Joe Tipman, right guard. He missed his block on the second level. That blew up the play. Another play, Hall for minus three. The Jets had a seven-man front. They tried to run a stretch play. Lakin Tomlinson couldn't sustain his block. His guy makes the tackle, and that's the end of that play. So, as you can see, a little bit on Wilson, a little bit on the offensive line, a little bit on the coaching. A lot of things going wrong in the running game. Next question from at S. Meagert Guy. Uh, At what point does Hackett start taking some heat for the game plans? There's no quick passing, shoddy run game, O-line, boxes stacked, no creativity in getting the ball to Hardman, Garrett Wilson, or Xavier Gibson. Yeah, I definitely agree on the last part there. The Jets got to try to get Hardman involved. I know he's a limited receiver. He doesn't run the entire route tree, but you can get him the ball in space, on bubble screens, things of that nature, maybe a jet sweep. And the same for Xavier Gibson. The guy's just, he's magic in space when he's got the ball in his hands. Try to get him the ball. These game plans are are predictable. They're calling plays. Nathaniel Hackett is as if he's just afraid of Zach Wilson. Now, I will say they've only had two games together, two-plus games, and so you, you need a little time to get to know each other, but certainly the early signs are not promising. At D. At dual underscore 75, do you think Tannehill is a possible trade candidate? I'm sure Vrabel doesn't want to trade him, but the new GM might want to move on and let the two young quarterbacks on the roster, Malik Willis and uh, Levis, get playing time. Uh, Yeah, I think it could be a possibility in a few more weeks. I don't think the Titans or any other team, for that matter, is going to punt on their season right now. But Tannehill... There's a connection to the Jets, obviously. Todd Downing, their passing game coordinator, had Tannehill in Tennessee, so there's that familiarity. I think he'd be a good scheme fit. Uh, his salary's $27 million. By then, it'll probably be like 13 or $14 million. So, yeah, I actually think Tannehill could make sense if the Titans want to punt on their season. But where will the Jets be then? I mean, are they going to be one and six? If they're one and six, what's the point of making that trade? So, that's why the timing might not work out in terms of a big trade. At JJ underscore Ferrigno, what are the actual chances of a veteran quarterback not only signing with the Jets but actually starting a game by the end of the season? Well, we know that a quarterback did start with the Jets, and that's Trevor Simeon, uh, who was, been, who was in the Pengles uh, preseason. You know, got cut toward the end. He will start. I guarantee it. The Jets, this is going to be one of those four quarterback years. You know, Rodgers started, Wilson starting. I bet you you're going to see Tim Boyle start a game. You're going to see Trevor Simeon start a game. It's going to be one of those years. Uh, Next one from at Dutch Smitty. Why continue to coach Zach like a West Coast quarterback? His strengths appear to be his arm and his off-schedule plays. Granted, this isn't matching where the rest of the league is and could result in 25 interceptions. But his play seems forced. Absolutely true. His play does seem forced. Now, the one thing the coaching staff said, which does make some sense, is that he did not have any turnovers against New England, and they had a chance to win the game at the end. Really, that's the best you can hope for in this kind of situation. You know, if you have a chance to steal the game at the end, and your offense doesn't have killer mistakes, that's that's about the best you can hope for. It's just that they had three shots at the end to steal the game. Three possessions in the last few minutes, and they couldn't do anything. So that's the concern. I do think he's playing a little scared, too tentative, trying not to make mistakes. Clearly, they've coached that into him. At Lohmeyer underscore Nick, is there a next-gen stat which shows if Zach Wilson is holding the ball too long? Where if quick passes are not being called. There is a stat, Nick, on time before throwing, he's at 3.22 seconds on the average. That is the slowest release time in the league. He's being pressured on a league-high 53% of his dropbacks. I don't put that all on the offensive line. I think the offensive line is getting too much blame. I think Wilson has to take a lot of that responsibility because he's holding the ball too long clearly and the stats prove it at DAS 062010 describe the scenario where you could see Salah's job in jeopardy that's simple Dan if the team fractures if there's public finger pointing he's done because that is the worst look for a team to have a team bickering with each other and I'm not saying that's not that's the case now but as I said earlier there's tension mounting behind the scenes. I know it for a fact. And if it gets out publicly, that's going to be bad for Salah. And the last one, at Steve Davis third. Are you worried about the long-term outlook for the young guys? If things continue, can Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall want to trade or not want to re-sign in future years? I don't think... No, look, Garrett Wilson is frustrated. I think he came close to admitting that after the game. But I don't think he's going to pull a Elijah Moore and ask for a trade. I think Garrett is more mature than Moore, less volatile than Moore, and so I think he's going to let this play out. He also knows that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back next year, which I think is a great carrot for the young players to see in their future. But, uh, yeah, these young guys can't be happy the way things are going now. And lastly, at Dr. Eric Klein, Rich, before the season, the Jets were viewed as potentially aggressive buyers Before the trading deadline, if the season continues to go sideways and they're 1-5 and at the buy, do you think they could be sellers at the deadline? Any idea who could be traded? I think their most tradable commodity is Bryce Huff. He's in the last year of his contract. Uh, He's a desirable player because he can rush the passer. Uh, They need to get Will McDonald on the field. They've invested in McDonald and Jermaine Johnson. So I think Huff would be a candidate to get traded. Other candidates, less likely, but something to consider would be C.J. Uzama, Michael Carter, and Carl and Lawson, all players who I believe are probably holding up the progress of players behind them. I'm not saying these players are going to be in high demand, but if it becomes a fire sale, uh, those guys could be, uh, could be guys who may be on the move or in demand. And that is a few weeks away, but the way things are going, we could be at that point. Before I get to our game preview, I want to commend the fans who stuck it out in the rain on Sunday at MetLife Stadium, miserable conditions, watching a miserable offense, and there have been too many days like that in recent Jets history. Try to imagine this stat. The Dolphins scored 70 points on Sunday against Denver. The Jets have scored 74 in their last seven games. Is that unbelievable or what? Now, the Chiefs are the defending champs. They're 2-1. and one. They had that hiccup in the opener against the Lions. They've won two in a row. They really put it to the Bears on Sunday, 41-10. They're in the softs part of their schedule. They got the Jets, the Windless Vikings, the Windless Broncos. Could they lose interest? Yeah, I guess. They're human, so it's possible. But I don't see them losing a whole lot of interest on Sunday. It's a primetime game. It's NBC. Players usually more a little more juiced up for the primetime games. This is just a, an unbelievably tough spot for the Jets. The Chiefs have been held under 20 points only twice in the last 32 games. Now, yes, their receiving core is not what it used to be, but they still got Patrick Mahomes and they still got Travis Kelsey. And, of course, that leads us into the big question, will Taylor Swift show up at MetLife? If I'm NBC, I'm paying her to be there in a box That would at least add some intrigue to the game. Game probably should have been flexed, but the flexing formula does not go into effect until next week. So they're kind of stuck with this game, and they'd probably create a lot of interest among the Swifties and even football fans if they had uh, Taylor Swift to show every few minutes. Now, uh, the Chiefs, they have a defense too. This is not just an offensive team. They are 4th and points per game allowed. They are fifth in yards allowed per play. They are really good. Their offense really needs no introduction. Interesting matchup here. Over the last year and three games, the Jets have the number one defense when playing zone coverage. Number one based on opposing QBR. Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback in QBR against zone defenses. So it's the Jets' strength against Mahomes' strength. Interesting. It's not going to matter. I don't think, I mean, the Jets are going to lose this game. Not only will they lose, but this could be one of those, how should I put this, epic embarrassments. I mean, I think the crowd is going to turn on Zach Wilson. It's going to be ugly. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets pulled in this game. We could see everything implode before our eyes on national TV. I can't believe I'm saying this in week four. This wasn't supposed to be that kind of year. It was supposed to be Rodgers and Super Bowl dreams and the new culture and all the young talent and everything finally coming together. But here we are. In week four, we're on the teetering on disaster, and I think Sunday is going to be really, really bad for the Jets. I'm going to say Chiefs 33, Jets 6. Sorry, that's just the reality of it. Want to thank Jeff Scopin, the producer, for putting Flight Deck together. And we will talk to you next week on Flight Deck.